the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pirates are in it to win it. Well, at least they're in it to try to win the wild card. We told you that the John Steigerwald Show here on AM 1250, The Answer, is not a sports show. But we also told you it's not not a sports show either. And when something big happens, we'll talk about it in sports. And um, I think it's pretty big. Maybe the fans who decided to stay away from the Pirates uh, games this year should have stayed away, started staying away anyway a long time ago. Uh, Bob Nutting must have noticed all those empty seats. You would think he would. Pirates made a major trade today just before the 4 o'clock deadline. They got Chris Archer, a starting pitcher who's been to two All-Star games from Tampa Bay, and they gave up two of their best young players, Austin Meadows and Tyler Glasnow, to get him, and a player to be named later. Um, Archer's 3-5 and five with a 4-3-4 ERA and 17 starts. Those are not spectacular numbers by any means, but he was one of the best guys out there available at the trading deadline. The Pirates are three and a half games behind Tampa Bay for the wild card. They open a series with the Cubs tonight. Cubs, by the way, in first place. So the Pirates can gain some ground. They can also, when the series is over, they could be completely out of it. So it's a pretty big series for them. You have to believe that the Pirates think they can not only make it to the postseason, but get deep into the playoffs with this team and the additions that they've just made to this team. Otherwise, it would be really dumb to give up the players they gave up. You don't do that just to get a chance to play in a, in a one-game playoff. Last night, they picked up one of the best relief pitchers in the American League, uh, Keon uh, Le- Kayla, and uh, and he uh, is actually uh, one of the best uh, relief pitchers in the American League. Got him from the Rangers for three players to be named later. Pirates haven't won a playoff series since 1979. They're way beyond the point of worrying about the future and uh, doing something just so they could show the fans that they're serious wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been enough. These trades may not be enough to get them beyond winning a wild card game, but it definitely, at least it should, um, it should change the conversation. And the Nutting family really needed to change the conversation about them because it was definitely showing up at the uh, at the ballpark in the form of empty seats. Uh, they were it, this was this, this was really looking bad for them. And the 11-game winning streak uh, really saved them uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, and since today is trading deadline day, I thought it would be a good idea to talk to somebody who works in a baseball town that's just like Pittsburgh. That would be Kansas City. The Royals have stunk for most of the last 35 years, but they somehow managed to make it to the World Series two years in a row. They won it back in uh, 2015. And the owner in Kansas City was one of the most hated people in town, right up until they went to the World Series the first time in 2014. But the fans there have been reminded what kind of baseball town they live in. Right now, the Royals are 39 games under five hundred and 25 games out of first place. They're in last place. So it's right back to where they used to be. So how do the Royals do it? And what's it like for the owner now? And how are the fans reacting there? When we come back, we'll talk to a guy who's been covering the Royals for 35 years, a guy named Frank Bull, who's also, a, by the way, a Pittsburgh guy, transplanted out there to Kansas City in the early 80s. But I just thought it was a good um, time to talk to somebody uh, from a town that's exactly like Pittsburgh uh, when it comes to, well, a lot of things, but when it comes to baseball, they're, they're too small. They can't really compete in the major leagues on a regular basis. But somehow they were able to break through and not only win a playoff series, but get to the World Series twice and win a World Series. And it was a big, big deal. But there they are. They're right back to, I mean, they're not just, you know, not quite as good as a, as a World Series team. They're 39 games under 500. And they were more than that uh, a little while ago. They had reached well over at least like 41 games under 500 at one point that I saw. So, you know, we're going to just, I just thought it would be good to, to talk to this guy and find out what's happening there now, how winning the World Series changed, and maybe what people in Pittsburgh can expect from that if the Pirates would ever, not, not necessarily win a World Series, but just not get beat uh, in a one-game uh, playoff or not not make the playoffs. That would be 
really disastrous after what they've just done, uh, just done with the uh, trade. And later on in the second half hour, we're going to give you an idea of just what kind of variety you can expect around here on the John Stoggerwald Show. We're going to go right from baseball to talking about plastic straw stupidity. Plastic drinking straw, that is. You know, straws that you drink things with. They're being banned all over California. And the numbers on how many straws are used in America every day that caused all this hysteria, they're based on the calculations of a nine-year-old kid. Seriously. Also, a little bit later, more sports. It's the 25th anniversary of Chuck Knoll's induction into the Hall of Fame. You will hear a personal story about Chuck that uh, was something that I, uh, something a story between me and Chuck, and, um, and a little bit of his acceptance speech from the Hall of Fame. But coming up, how about a little baseball? We get many people that have not gotten well with traditional medicine. At the medicine shop in Oakmont and Penn Hills, good health is often a gut-level decision. About 70 to 85 percent of your immune system's in the gut. As a child, your thymus gland is actually your immune system, and babies are born with hardly any flora or minimal amounts. And through exposure to dirt, things they suck on, their mom's antibodies they get from breast milk gradually just builds up over time. Always start with the gut. When you have somebody has an illness, the normal bacterial balance that's supposed to be there is typically not there. They could have yeast over growth, parasites. They could have just an imbalance of bacteria. And many times that's just evaluated by history or we can do further testing that they can do at home. We look at a systems-based approach. So you have your immune system, your GI, hormones, energy, cardiometabolic, and all those systems work together. Call for a consultation today. The Medicine Shop. 888-865-9595. 888-865-9595. This is Dan Proft with 60 Seconds of Sanity for Upstream-Ideas.com. What a contrast, right? At the same time, President Trump was stumbling through his post-game presser with Putin, which necessitated a next-day contraction-retraction. Former President Obama was in South Africa treating the world to his soaring rhetoric, thereby reminding us how good we had it. That's the D.C. Press Corps version of events. Unfortunately for Democrats, Obama's tawdry sentimentality and life's little instruction book maxims hold up about as well over time as do his policies. Obama got away with congenial disdain for the Bible and gun clingers, but as political progeny, not to mention his administration's apparatchiks, are not nearly as adroit. Obama's veiled invective is weak tea compared to his former CIA director's call for a firing squad. Obama's cliche-ridden claptrap lacks the appeal of Adam Schiff's Manchurian candidate conspiracy theories or a business insider deep dive on bugging soccer balls. Obama served as a veneer for the left's ugliness. Trump has unleashed it and marginalized Obama as a political asset in the process. Now Trump leads the left's parade of horribles around by their pee hats in full public view. It's messy, and Trump is sloppy, but like the 1983 Chicago White Sox, Trump is winning ugly. Don't pay double for your next home improvement project. Many companies are simply asking too much for windows, siding, and doors. You need at least three estimates. Just make sure Windows R Us is one of them. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofing, siding, doors, gutters, even shutters and downspouts. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward menu-style pricing, and the absolute fastest turnaround in the business. Windows R Us offers multiple financing options and will match any competitor's price. No hidden cost or final invoice surprises ever. And their no-loophole full lifetime warranty covers everything, including labor and glass breakage at no additional charge. Mention AM1250 and get an exclusive 10% discount for listeners of this station only. Why pay double? Before you buy, visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. They're more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company. windowsruspittsburgh.com. Getting close to retirement? Experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? We know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure you have a retirement that is tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too. With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how, for 25 years, the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 
844-1496 or visit them at marleyfg.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So we told you that the Pirates made a trade, picked up two of the best pitchers available on the market, and that showed that they're serious about winning. At least it looks like they are. Until a couple of weeks ago, before that 11-game winning streak, this looked like a terrible season for the Pirates in just about every way you can imagine. But especially at the gate, the people had finally wised up and obviously given up on the ownership, and they were showing up in really small numbers. But that winning streak put the Pirates back in contention and it put Bob Nutting in the corner. He couldn't be a seller at the trading deadline. If he hadn't shown an interest in winning now after that winning streak and getting back into contention, uh, it would have been a just set up a disastrous uh, offseason. You talk about uh, ticket sales dropping. It would have been really disastrous. Uh, and, and then more small crowds next year. It would have been the same old story. Well, somebody who knows that story well is Frank Bull. He's been a TV and radio sportscaster in Kansas City since George Brett was playing for the Royals. And I thought he'd be a good guy to talk to because he saw a team in a market just like Pittsburgh with an owner about as popular as the Nuttings uh, and, <laughs> and want to see how things have changed. He's Frank Bull, a Pittsburgh guy. Frank, how you doing? Stag, how you doing, pal? It's good to hear from you again, as usual. Yeah, good to talk to you. I, before we get to the baseball, I have to ask you about Central Catholic, because uh, yesterday, we do everything on this show. Um, it's not all sports. And yesterday, I had the principal of your alma mater on here, and it was all set up by the, the stupidity at Harvard where they're uh, demonizing fraternities and sororities and any single-gender institution that they can come up with. They think it's terrible. And so I had the um, I had the, the principal from Central Catholic on, and he talked about how they just they're not backing away from it. They're even more convinced that it's a great thing. And one of the things I talked to him about was the alumni and how strong the alumni at Central Catholic is, and how much they still believe in what you went through a million years ago there um, with all boys. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I went to the I went to the same. I, I told the principal that. I went to an all-boys school myself, and I don't know anybody who, who I went to school with who wishes they had gone to school with girls, that, that that they regret going there. I got a feeling you feel the same way. Yeah, I, I always have. Um, yes, Central has a tremendous tradition, and the alumni will never let, even if the Christian brothers decided they wanted to maybe admit women or go co-ed for some reason, the alumni association is so strong, and the people in it are so influential that they would never let them do it. I, you know, the tradition never dies there, and that's that's the one slogan they have. And it's um, it was John for me. It was was the basis for everything that I did. I mean, my education became so vital to what I was trying to accomplish in life. And we didn't know it then. I mean, we didn't think too much about it. Everybody I knew coming out of grade school. We had to take the admittance test to Central Catholic. It wasn't an automatic admission. And I'm going to tell you something. That was as, as um, nerve-wracking for us in those days as it was to take your SATs four years later when you're trying to get into college. I mean, your mom and dad and everybody were just sitting there praying, saying a rosary and doing all those Catholic things yeah. that, that you would be admitted into Central. And, and to me, it was one of the basis of you know, my success. And I think a big reason is, and I think you'd hear this from maybe some women who went to all girls schools back in those days as well, because there were a lot, you know, you had yeah. Sacred Heart and Mount Mercy and Oakland Catholic and the whole thing. They were yeah. all, all girls schools. Even our little school right across the street from us was Winchester Thurston. And that was, uh, that was all girls as well. But I think anybody will tell you, you, you didn't have to worry about the social thing at the other end, you know, maybe dressing to impress, right, or right. screwing off in class to try to, to off, try to yeah. impress some girl, yeah, showing off or doing what that it was. There was strict discipline. It was pretty much all academics. Uh, they didn't care if you played football, basketball, or baseball back then. If you wanted to play great, because you got to pass first before you can do anything else. So for me, it was you know the, the basis for me. And remember. I ended up going with your brother, as a matter of fact, to an all-male college at the time was Villanova. Right. And that, that was the next four years. We had 6,000 undergraduate men and 500 undergraduate women. They were all in nursing, and they were only on campus for maybe like one or two classes a week. They took most of their uh, classes down at uh, Bryn Mawr Hospital right down the street from Villanova. But yeah. Uh, but, but that was big for me too, because I made it all the way through four years of there, and they didn't admit their first 
full class of women until I was a senior, and those women were freshmen. So you're 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 a, a proponent of single gender education, oh. and, and and even though it was a million years ago, you don't nothing's changed, and I, I agree with you. Abs- absolutely, I, I don't think. And you know, you went to South Hills Catholic at that right. time, and they were all male. Right now, it's Seton LaSalle. North Catholic was all male. That has now changed, so it's a big difference now. The Central is, is holding out, and I don't think there's any doubt that they will remain all male. They're not going anywhere. So okay, so no. now now speaking of how things have changed. Um, how have things changed in Kansas City? Uh, now, I mean, you know, I talked about the fact that, that the Royals won the World Series uh, 2015, but here they are, 39 games out of uh, or 39 games under 500. So, j- just for the people in Pittsburgh who have lived through the same things that Royals fans have lived through, with the team being terrible for most of the last 35 years, um, what what was it like when it ended? In Kansas City, and they, and they won the World Series. Went to the World Series first, and then lost, and then won the World Series. But back to back World Series. Yeah, right. It was uh, it was an incredible run, uh, and I know uh, the the Pirates haven't been in World Series since '79, if I'm right. Is that correct? Right. Somewhere in there, right? So yeah. so it's 1979. Well, the Royals were in the World Series in 80, uh, 1980. Okay, and they lost to the Philadelphia Phillies. Then they came back in 1985, five years later, and and they beat the St. Louis Cardinals in the uh, in the I-70 series. Okay, yep. But from that time uh, until 2014, it was 29 years between World Series appearances, and then in in 2015 when they came back the next year, that was 30 years between World Series wins. So we had a long drought as well, not quite as long as you guys have had since then. But you, Mark, you also um, they. If I'm not mistaken, the, the Royals went from '85 uh, to 2014 without winning a playoff series, without making it to the playoffs, right? Without even being in the playoffs, right? Without even sniffing the playoffs yeah. at that point. Yeah, they they had had a long drive. You you got to remember between '85 and '94, they still had George Brett on this team. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. They yeah. they still had him for for another almost you know 15 years. Of, of ball or like ten years of ball there, yeah. it, it, it it didn't make a difference, and they had a first ballot Hall of Famer at, at that point. He was uh, in the top four vote getters of all time to go to uh, to go to Cooperstown, and they still couldn't get over the hump at that point. You know, it was uh, yeah. it was a disaster. Well, I I think the big thing, and I, I know you're going to allude to this, and we'll we'll talk about it. the big deal is ownership. Ooh, I think yeah. ownership, you know, has a whole thing. And everybody talks about small market and big market baseball, right? right. The, the, the difference between small market baseball and big market baseball is the owner mm-hmm. and how much money he has and how much money he wants to spend. If Ewing Kaufman had lived and had still been here and was doing his thing, when, when he, in 1985, the Royals had the second highest payroll in Major League Baseball, only behind the Yankees. Well, you know what the so, Pirates had. The Pirates had the second highest in the National League, I think, in like in the in nineteen ninety ninety one. So you know, the things have changed since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so so the whole deal was: Ewing Kaufman died, and it the you know the, the team was a mess. They had to go into a trust. They were run by a board of people. Where David Glass, who is now the owner of the Royals, he was the chairman of the board. They wouldn't spend any money through those years, and they were just an absolute disaster. Then he ended up being the sole owner. He bought the team for like $95 million at that time. The team is now worth a billion dollars. Yeah, and how hated, so, how hated was he right up until oh, 2014? Because I want the oh, reason I have oh you here, gosh. Frank, I want people to understand that the Nuttings uh, aren't the Lone Ranger. You know, Bob Nutting's not the Lone Ranger when it comes to being a hated person in the city where he owns a team. Because talk about how bad it was. Uh, tell people how bad it was for this, this guy, Glass. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. And the guy said well, when he bought him, one of the criteria was, oh, I'm going to move to Kansas City. Well, he is the executive who runs Walmart. Uh, out of uh, Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, and he was, he was, uh, Walden's the right hand man. And the deal is, he, he never moved here. He never came back here. He just didn't want to hear the criticism. He, uh-huh. he was running a team on the cheap. And they just got worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, Dayton Moore took over and he convinced David Glass somehow, some way that, look, here's the way we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to reinvest in the Dominican Republic. 
okay, and then and in South America and in Mexico, in in Latin America, we're going to reinvest. We're going to get our scouts down there again. We're going to start finding these kids. They started finding the kids. They started bringing them back up. Guys like Salvador Perez and Alcides Escobar, and of course we lost your Donovan Ventura, but he was a big part of that as well. And he convinced Dave Glass. He said these kids are going to be fine. This is going to work. Well, halfway through 2014, as they're on their march to try to get better, they were playing a little bit less than 500 baseball at that time. And right as they came to the All-Star break, everybody in town, newspapers were calling for it, everybody on radio, everybody everywhere was calling for a Ned Yost head and for Dayton Moore's head and say, hey, this isn't going to work. Uh, David Glass still isn't spending any money. Uh, this is, you know, this is just a pipe dream, and this thing's one in the toilet. Well, they bounce out of the all-star break and go like 29 and four. Yep. And they jump back into the wild card. They eventually win the wild card. They go on and they win their series. They go to the World Series. They end up 90 feet away from tying the game in game seven. And, uh, and they ended up losing in seven games in 2014. Well, I'm trying then to, the uh, next year. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, I'm, I'm looking, you know, for parallels to what's going on here in Pittsburgh. If you know the Pirates just came off an eleven-game winning streak, they were the hottest team in baseball. They just made a couple of trades uh, and made it look like they think they can make a run. And it's uh, did it in Kansas City? Did it did it just kind of sneak up on them? And the, and the ownership was forced to you know to make a make a serious run at it. Yes, absolutely. Backed into a corner. It yeah. took that. It took getting them back backed up into a corner where now it looks like they can compete to a situation where, okay, now we really are going to have to spend some money because they made this run in 2014. Um, I know the Pirates right now, are they seven back and they're yeah. three point and they're three and a half back in a wild card, but yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the Royals weren't quite that far back and they made up the ground and they, and they got to, they almost won the division, but uh, they ended up going from the wild card into the world series. So, David Glass was forced to um, was forced into a corner with all the young players, and then bringing some other players in to try to help supplement the team that was in here. So he started spending some money. You, know, you remember they came out of the shoot in 2015. They took off and they never looked back. Mm-hmm. They ended up winning nine, 96 games the next year. They were basically you know the number one rated team at that time. Uh, they went in. They they won their series. They beat Toronto. And they came in and they, uh, you know, and they ended up winning the World Series, and they did it in five games against the Mets. No, I, I you know, I, they won it up there. So it, it was, it was a thing. And, and here's the deal: at the All Star break, so somebody finishes this off. Whereas you guys are making acquisitions, they traded three of their best prospects. They were all left-handed pitchers. Mm-hmm. They traded all three of those guys in order to acquire Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobers. And that helped and them win the series. Those, Without those two guys, they had never won the 2015 World Series. Okay, they got, would not have done it. I got a little less than a minute, so I want to ask you now. They're 39 games under 500. How do the fans feel about them right now? They aren't happy. Well, didn't they see this <laughs> coming? Well, well, the deal is here, here's what they should have done. And I know you, you got less than a minute. In 2016, he couldn't get rid of the Hosmers and Mustakases and Escobars and all those guys because they just come off back to back World Series. They had a chance to go to three straight World Series. Right. That doesn't happen very often. But after the 2016 season was over, he kept those guys. When that season was over and they didn't make it, he should have gotten rid of every one of those guys at that point. He'd have gotten more for them, had more prospects, and they'd be two years into the rebuild instead of really. We don't know what they're doing now, John. We right. have no idea. Well, hey, Frank, uh, at least the, the Pirates fans can look at that and say that there's a chance. I appreciate you being on, man. I'm up against a hard break here. Some, we'll do it again. The Kansas City Chiefs are playing in the second week. We'll talk. Anytime, buddy. All right, man. Thanks, Frank. You bet, pal. All right, man. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, ridiculous stupidity in California and uh, drinking plastic drinking straws. Talk about stupid. Stick around. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Facebook says it has uncovered a sophisticated attempt to influence U.S. elections. Facebook says it has removed 32 accounts from Facebook and Instagram 
finding them to be fake and involved in what it called coordinated political behavior. It did not say the accounts originated in Russia and stopped short of calling them an effort to affect this year's congressional election, but they appeared to follow the playbook of 2016 when Russia's Internet Research Agency apparently paid for ads designed to sow division in U.S. politics. Facebook says more than 290,000 accounts followed at least one of the fake pages. Warren Levinson, New York. It was a good day on Wall Street as the Dow was up by 180 points to close at 25,415. The Nasdaq rose 42. The S&P advanced 14. Oil down $1.37 to close at $68.76 a barrel on the New York Mercantile Exchange. This is SRN News. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC resident investment advisory firm. We're Sound Income Strategies, and baby boomers who have heard our message and called for a free income kit now understand the secret to a great retirement is our middle name, Income. You see, at Sound Income Strategies, we transform high-fee, high-taxed retirement spend-downs into sustained retirement income. It's time for you to join the income generation. For your free, no-obligation income kit, call 866-913-1234. 866-913-1234 to speak to an income specialist. Call 866-913-1234. Sound Income Strategies. Remember, the secret to a great Retirement is our middle name, Income. For your free income kit, call 866-913-1234. 866-913-1234. Call now. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer Pittsburgh skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. The Family Fun Expo and Back to School Celebration Saturday, August 18th presents one last time to have fun as a family before the craziness of school kicks in. From 11 to 4 p.m., bring your family to Princecape Arena, formerly South Point Isoplex, and enjoy tons of kids' activities, games, and prizes throughout the day, plus food, entertainment, exhibitors, and more. Visit TheAnswerPGH.com for more details, family-friendly pricing, and to register. Sponsored by The Answer, Princecape Arena and the Bible Chapel. And not to mention the shedding. I would vacuum the carpet three times a week. Frodo was scratching all night long, bouncing on the side of the bed, keeping me awake the whole entire night from all the scratching and chewing. It kind of makes you neurotic. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Mounds and mounds of fur all over the place. Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Dynavite is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. He gobbles it up. He's not up all night scratching. His shedding is minimal, and it is such a pleasure to have my calm, relaxed, non-shedding puppy back. And I have to thank Dynavite for that. Don't let your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy. Come to Dynavite for help. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. Estate administration isn't something we do on the side. It's the heart and soul of our practice. Any attorney can write a will, but we have the experience to administer your estate plan properly to achieve the goals we all share, to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones you love. How you get there is specific to your situation. So let's talk. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We've got some big delays continuing on this rainy Tuesday on the Parkway West outbound 79 all the way to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Now we're also seeing delays on the Parkway East outbound. Got an accident in the right lane. This is at Bates Street and also looking at some inbound delays as well as you uh, go from the Edwood overpass to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel at Forbes Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge outbound Veterans Bridge also looking busy. I'm Jenny Robinson on AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Another week of unsettled weather shaping up across much of the region. We'll stay mostly cloudy and humid tonight. A spotty shower or thunderstorm with a low of 69. Another shower or thunderstorm tomorrow and tomorrow night. Mostly cloudy and muggy. 
High of 77 tomorrow, down to a low of 67 tomorrow night. Mostly cloudy and muggy on Thursday. A couple of showers and a thunderstorm with an afternoon high of 78. I'm meteorologist Steve Travis on AM 1250, The Answer. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. One of the guys who works here just told me a little while ago that he went to one of his favorite spots for lunch here in Green Tree, and he didn't get a straw with his drink. So he asked the waiter for one, and the waiter said, sorry, we don't, we don't have straws anymore. That's where the world is now. The stupidity has reached Green Tree. And the plastic drinking straws put every one of us, by the way, in imminent danger. It's a good thing for us that the idiots on the West Coast are there to protect us. Several cities in California, including San Francisco, have banned them. They've also been banned in Seattle. And the law in San Francisco makes it a crime, I guess, for a restaurant to offer napkins and plastic utensils with takeout orders. It's only okay if they're requested. So if you say to somebody, would you like some napkins with that, then somebody comes in and puts handcuffs on you. Christian Bridgekey of Reason Magazine and Reason.com wrote a piece warning everybody about this a few months ago. Christian, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. So is there a fine for jail time or a waiter uh, or, or jail time for a waiter who offers somebody a, a, a straw in San Francisco or anywhere else out there on the uh, West Coast? Sure. So in San Francisco, um, the ban hasn't gone into effect yet, but you would be fined. Um, in Santa Barbara, which is a nearby city, you could potentially face jail time after handing somebody a second plastic straw. The first one, you just get a warning. The second one would make you eligible for a misdemeanor. Um so that's, I mean, that's where we are with uh, straw bans right now. Most of their cities, normally a fine comes with uh, a violation. Uh, so if you are in Santa Barbara and you offer somebody a straw, you're put on a watch list, and somebody will be in the restaurant <laughs> to make sure they'll, they'll grab you as soon as you, hey, that, that, you, that, you're, you did it. You, that was your second one. Let's go. And they take you downtown? I mean, what? How do you, how do you, how do you what, they said now it's, uh, the first time is okay. So who's going to be watching this? Sure. So, I mean, um, the city has said that, uh, you know, a, a misdemeanor uh, prosecution would be used only in the rarest circumstances for the most aggravated straw violations. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, so, you know, I don't think they're going to have straw cops in every restaurant, but, um, they're certainly not ruling out the possibility of um, yeah prosecuting people if they're repeat offenders of handing out straws to customers uh, who want them. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, San Luis Obispo and Davis, those are two cities in California. They passed laws against straws last year. Uh, by the way, as long as we're on the subject, I, I'm a little bit offended by the, a city being named San, San Luis. Isn't that St. Louis? And uh, Isn't that, uh, I mean, where's the uh, ACLU on that? But that's a different issue. How do you name that could be a, a trademark violation, too. Yeah, right. San Francisco, too. I mean, that's named after a saint, St. <laughs> Francis. How can they do that? But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, sure, yeah. So you've had a, a couple, um, you know, the trend has been growing in a couple, as you mentioned, a couple of California cities have passed these things called straw and request laws, which means that you can still get a plastic straw, but you have to ask for it first. <laughs> and then as time has gone on, the bans have gotten a bit more severe and a bit more expansive. Uh, Seattle has prohibited all single-use plastic straws, save for a couple select kind of bioplastics made from uh, cornstarch, which are less durable, uh, more expensive, but are compostable. So they, you know, they um, environmentalists like them a little bit more. Um, in San Francisco, you have, you know, not even the bioplastics are allowed, um, and also their straw ban ordinance comes with a number of other restrictions on single-use plastic items. Um, and then as Santa Barbara, as I mentioned, is has a straw ban that's uh, working its way to city council now. That is the most severe one that I've come across where that would actually be a misdemeanor violation. Um, so that's uh, – and then uh, you have uh, other active straw bans in places like – or straw bans that are being considered in places like New York City, uh, Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, uh, Washington, D.C., where I live now. So, I mean, it's all the rage these days. And we're talking to Christian Bridgekey of the uh, uh, Reason.com and Reason Magazine. You know, I, I guess at some point there will be a, a, some kind of a commission set up, a straw commission, uh, and some kind of an agency in these cities where you can go in and maybe get a dispensation from someone, like a permission for a straw, and then restaurants will be required to have a certain number of straws on hand because there will be people who will have a right to a straw, and therefore you'll have to give them one, and then... 
then people then if your brother in law knows if you know if your brother in law works down there, maybe you can get a straw, <laughs> you know, and and without really actually qualifying for one. It's it's be it's, it's something that should be in the onion, you know. It's it's. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you joke, but that's actually kind of the system they're um, setting up now. You know, some of the big uh, opponents of straw bans are the disabled community. Uh, a lot of disabled people require straws to eat or drink, and therefore having it provided to you at a restaurant is important for them. And so a couple of city straw uh, bans either make an explicit exemption for disabled people. Um, New York's uh, straw ban, which hasn't been passed yet, does that. Places like San Francisco would put it on the business owner to ask for a, um, a special exemption, or it would say, actually, sorry, in San Francisco's case, it says that you don't have to strictly comply with the straw ban if that would get in the way of uh, catering towards somebody's uh, medical needs. So these kind of exceptions are already being written into the rule, but of course, it wouldn't, you wouldn't need the exception in the first place. You just let people have straws. Unbelievable. Well, and they—they they, the numbers that they throw around, um, 500 million straws used per day, I think is the number they came up with. I saw a piece today, uh, and maybe you wrote about this too, but um, these numbers that they came up with, that uh, this 500 million number, is based on the calculations of a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Actually, I, I was one who uh, broke this story back in January of this okay. year. Um, this, uh, uh, back in 2011, this, uh, kid, uh, Milo Kress is his name. Nine. Um, he was nine or not. Yeah. He was nine years old at the time. Um, and he called, uh, he called around to different straw manufacturers, both gave him, you know, an estimate of how many straws we use in the country each day or what they thought we used each day. And he kind of rounded it out and came up with this 500 million figure, which was then picked up by the recycling company Echo Cycle, which then did some joint promotion with the National Park Service, um, and then from there the figure just kind of spread to pretty much every mainstream publication you can think of, whether it's uh, you know Washington Post, New York Times, uh, National Graphic, National Public Radio, yeah, go- um, and is only just now kind of people are starting to uh, come around to the fact that the you know where this number comes from that is lower than other professional estimates or it's higher than other professional estimates and it's probably not. That credible. And God forbid they would have any skepticism about uh, environmental hysteria. If there's no, throw uh, a number around, man, they're going to buy it. If it's oh yeah, we're dead. We're all going to die if we don't stop using plastic <laughs> straws. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the the crazy thing too is there's so much focus on the specific number of plastic straws that we use that people have kind of lost sight of the bigger picture, which is that. You know, while plastic pollution in the ocean is certainly uh, a problem, straws are a tiny, tiny percentage of the plastic that gets into the ocean. Um, it's something like 0.02% of all plastic waste that gets into the, the ocean. Um, so, and that's, you know, that's global and, straws, not just American a, straws. So. And, a re- and a restaurant here in Green Tree is doing its part because there will not be any plastic straws going in the ocean from Green Tree, at least from that <laughs> place. So, you know, you can... You can yeah, sure. Yeah, so you're, you should feel safe. Um, I, I saw that, uh, that you point out in your piece that the California Coastal Commission um, says, uh, this is great, because they say 825,425 straws and plastic stirrers were picked up since 1988. Now, I, my mom amazed by this, not 426 or not 420, it's 825,425. Somebody counted them. Come on, Christian, who counts them? Who's out there? <laughs> Who's counting them? Yeah, sure. So they do, um, uh, in California, a lot of places do this. They have a yearly um, coastal cleanup where they collect litter along the beach and then catalog each item and, you know, obviously record the results so that we can uh, preserve this for posterity. Um, or posterity, sorry, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so, and, you know, it's interesting. You, uh, you'll hear people cite the, this figure. They'll say... Um, you know, according to the California Coastal Commission, straws are one of the most common items found at uh, the beach. What they fail to mention is that they're about 3% of all items found at the beach. So while they, you know, are in the top 10 categories of items, they're not, you know, the most common item or they're not even plurality. And in fact, it's even uh, it's um, even a little bit more disingenuous when you consider that what really matters is how much these items weigh. Um, that determines how much plastic there are. Plastic straws are pretty lightweight, and so, you know, they're 3% of 
all items picked up off California's coast, but they're an even smaller percentage of the weight of plastic on California's coast. And I saw a picture of um, some place that had their straws. They, they they no longer have plastic straws. They have paper straws. The only problem is they're wrapped in plastic. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the plastic straws are wrapped in paper. And I also saw today, um, and this is what's just stunning, uh, you know, when you see a story like this, Christian, um, people, I think, are so quick to accept the um, the, the fear mongering and, and to not question it, uh, and 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 also to blame the United States because we're all terrible. We're all just we we don't care about the environment. I saw a story today that says ninety seven percent of all the plastic in the oceans comes from ten rivers. All of them are in either Africa or Asia, and and so like two percent of the total amount of plastic in all the oceans comes from the United States. But in Green Tree, you uh, can't get a straw. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually uh, it's, it's even less than that. Um, the United States, according to uh, um, an estimate in the uh, 2015 article in Journal Science, uh, the United States is responsible for a little under one percent of <laughs> plastic that gets into the ocean. If yeah. you uh, and this is all plastic, mind you, just straws. So straws are a small plastic. percentage of that one percent, then. Right. Yeah, yeah. Straws are a tinier fraction still. Um, like I say, their straws are estimated to be about um, about uh, 9 million tons of plastic get into the ocean each year, and straws are estimated to be about 2,000 or 3,000 tons, so again, a tiny, tiny percentage, less than 1%. Um, yeah, it's funny, if you were to ban all plastic in the United States, the European Union, and Great Britain, um, that would prevent about 3% of plastic that gets into the ocean each year or so, and the reason for that is because what gets into the ocean is, is litter, it's not... The fact that you use a straw and then the you know garbage company goes and dumps it in the ocean is that you know it's discarded, it's not collected in the first place, it doesn't go to a landfill, and therefore it winds up in the ocean. And this is what I say in my writing all the time: is that is the problem we should be focusing on, not trying to crack down on consumer choice. And what uh, what do you think um, was the reason that people jumped on straws? If if they're such a small percentage of the problem, who decided that straws were the problem? Yeah, sure. So um, a lot of straw banners are actually uh, very uh, explicit about this. They look at straws as a uh, gateway plastic, um, which is a term <laughs> they use. It's kind of the opposite of a gateway drug. Yeah. So with um, the idea is that straws are both uh, so uh, ubiquitous, also so inessential that you'll notice if they're not there, but you don't really need them. And so instead, you won't be mad that you don't have a straw. You'll spark. It'll spark all these these uh, enlightening conversations about all the other plastics you use in your life, and it'll encourage you to cut back on all these other plastics it's a gateway into cutting back on your plastic consumption. Um, that's kind of the logic that underlies a lot of these straw bans. Well, I'm, I'm just wondering how long it is till we see um, a black market for straws. <laughs> you know, I actually had somebody uh, email me a, a, a video, um, a parody video of them uh, offering uh, to sell uh, black market straws into Santa Barbara. So we'll see here soon enough. Well, you're going to see the, the price of plastic straws skyrocket. Once there's a black market and they're, you know, it's people are going to be really hoarding them. Oh, boy. Hey, I, I appreciate you being, being on, Christian. Christian Bridgeke of uh, Reason.com and Reason Magazine. Great stuff. Thanks. Great piece you wrote. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Okay. And thank you, Christian. We will be back. Uh, uh, a 25th anniversary of Chuck Knoll being inducted into the Hall of Fame today. We come back. We will uh, talk about that a little bit. And also, uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of his... Hall of Fame induction speech. Stick around. The one thing I loved about working with him, we got to pray with our patients. And I could do that without feeling like I was going to get in trouble. At the medicine shops in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb continues the legacy of pharmacist, mentor, and friend Joe DiMatteo. And many people, you cannot cure them or make them truly get well if they have something down deep that they haven't ever addressed. Stress affects your whole body. Like when I get stressed, I have between my shoulder blades, my muscles get tight. Some people, it's GI. Some people, it can be a rash. Some people, their immune system is down. So we address that too. But you have to address the root causing that stress for them to truly heal. One of the things I'm very humbled by is that many of the people that Joe and I saw together, they're still coming to see me. And I just really appreciate that. And I'm going to try to have the same empathy and love and caring that he had. I just love it. It's my dream job. 
It's what I've always wanted to do. Every day's different because not everybody's the same. Call for a consultation today. 888-865-9595. Marley Financial has done it again. These guys are fantastic. Many of you know or have worked with Todd Marley at Marley Financial. You also know they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation. Typical savings of up to 40%. Small, medium, and even large groups, Marley has got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital, Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, or even Johns Hopkins. Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors, without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions. Call Marley Financial now at 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 and find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.com. Hi, Hugh here for Patriot Mobile, urging you to go right now to www.patriotmobile.com forward slash you and help us celebrate a supreme summer. That's right, it's a Supreme Court summer. President Trump has nominated Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court and we need you to help make it happen and you can do that by switching your cell service because Patriot Mobile, like all of the bigs, has great, great, great cell service, but unlike any of them, support conservative causes. Don't just carry your calls, carry your message, in this case, to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Every time you use your Patriot Mobile and pay your Patriot Mobile cell phone bill, you're supporting conservative causes like those that protect your rights, support interpreting the Constitution with originalism. And right now, while supplies last, enjoy a new Motorola E4 or an E4 Plus smartphone for only $4 a month. Mention my name, Hugh, when you call 1-800-APATRIOT to switch your service or visit www.patriotmobile.com forward slash Hugh. That's www.patriotmobile.com forward slash Hugh. Make conservative change happen every time you use your cell phone. Don't pay double for your next home improvement project. Many companies are simply asking too much for windows, siding, and doors. You need at least three estimates. Just make sure Windows R Us is one of them. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofing, siding, doors, gutters, even shutters and downspouts. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward menu-style pricing, and the absolute fastest turnaround in the business. Windows R Us offers offers multiple financing options and will match any competitor's price. No hidden costs or final invoice surprises ever. And their no-loophole full lifetime warranty covers everything, including labor and glass breakage at no additional charge. Mention AM1250 and get an exclusive 10% discount for listeners of this station only. Why pay double? Before you buy, visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. They're more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company. windowsruspittsburgh.com. This is the John Stacker Watch Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Lots of sports on the John Stoggerwald show today, uh, and for good reason. A couple of big things. Uh, the Pirates making the trade, and today is the 25th anniversary of Chuck Knoll being inducted into the Hall of Fame. All the people I covered in Pittsburgh, and there have been some impressive people, obviously, over the last 40 years or so, a lot of winning teams. Nobody impressed me more. I had no more, no respect for anybody more than I had for uh, Chuck Knoll, uh, an imposing figure, uh, just a solid citizen, um, you just never heard anything bad about the guy. I mean, you, heard, you might hear some complaints about his coaching decisions, especially later in his career and things like that. But, I mean, as a person, you just you just didn't. So uh, I'll tell you a quick story. How much time I have here, uh, Aaron? About three minutes. Okay. Three minutes till the, till the tape? Okay. So I, I want to tell the story, but I don't want to get interrupted. Uh, I um, First time I met Chuck Knoll, 1977, uh, in the summer. And actually, it was the fall. Just as the season was getting started, I was working for KQV Radio here in Pittsburgh, and I'd only been working for a couple of weeks. And I went to the press conference after the first Steelers game on a Monday, and uh, we did one-on-one interviews, and I met Chuck Knoll for the first time. I stuck out my hand. I introduced myself, and he gave me the funniest look. And I thought, oh, my, what did, you know, I've only been on the air here for like two weeks. What did I say about this guy? He doesn't like me. He said, what did you say your name was? And I still thought, oh, boy. He said, I told him, John Steigerwald. He said, Steigerwald? He said, that was my mother's maiden name. 
that wasn't a common name back then or a well-known name by any means. And so I was stunned. So that was my first meeting with Chuck Knoll. And we had kind of a little bit of a thing going on for the rest of the time I was dealing with him. But I wanted to play you some of his uh, Hall of Fame induction speech. It's, you could call it a boring speech because it's Chuck Knoll, but it's perfect Chuck Knoll. And he did most of it. Most of the time he spent talking about other people who helped him. And I want you to hear it. Go ahead. The thing that uh, stuck out in my mind is that we had a lot of people that didn't worry about what somebody else did. If someone else was having a tough time on a particular day, they reached down and got it up a little more. Uh, They got the thing done. You know, whatever they had to do, they did to win. There was never a reason to let down. You know, right now you hear about teamwork and it's defined as 50-50, and that is a falsehood. There's no such thing as 50-50. You know, you do whatever you have to do as part of the team. You may have to carry somebody. We had a, we had an offensive line when we were playing Houston that was uh, decimated with the flu. Our offense couldn't move the ball. We had an injury to the quarterback. Uh, it was a time when maybe our defense and our special teams uh, could have said, hey, it's time to fold our tent and go home. It didn't happen that way. We had a bunch of guys, Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Jack Hamm, Mel Blunt. You know, they get together and reach down, and uh, what they did is they limited a running attack. When they tried to run the ball, there was a Joe Green in the running lane. There was a Jack Lambert hammering on him. They went back to pass, Pastorini, and Joe Green was all over him on the back. Elsie Greenwood. Uh, the, uh, they just took the ball away from him, and we had the ball in scoring territory. We were able to kick field goals. To me, that's teamwork. Another week, the offense carried it while the defense uh, struggled. But that is something that uh, uh, right now in a society of confrontation, you know, we've got male against female. We've got black against white. We've got uh, labor against management in a confrontational thing. Well, you know, the, the shame of it is some people have made progress through confrontation. But I can't tell you how much you can gain how much progress you can make by working together as a team, by helping one another. You get much more done that way. And if there's anything the Steelers of the 70s epitomize, I think it's that teamwork. Thank you very much. And there it was. Uh, nothing special there, but a uh, great message there at the end. It was all about teamwork. Thank you very much. And uh, And I don't think Chuck would do real well today with – players playing hide-and-seek after they score a touchdown or, you know, choreographed touchdown celebrations. He wasn't real big on that kind of stuff. He was a no-nonsense guy and 25 years ago today in the Hall of Fame. That's it for today. Good show. Lots of sports. Lots of other stuff. See you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250 The Answer and Salem Media Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.